do love that song. It's one thing I appreciate about uh, both Bobby and Brian. First of all is their humility, that is their acknowledgement that how much they need the Lord in their ministry as we sang a moment ago, Lord, I need you. And I can tell you from working with these two men day in and day out, they know that. Uh, and they're dependent upon the Lord. And secondly, that, that they both promote Jesus Christ in their ministries. As uh, you've seen here this morning, as our music and every Sunday is, is geared around Jesus Christ and the gospel of Christ and Bobby's teaching and preaching of our young people and his ministry, even through our media, is pointing people to Jesus Christ. And uh, that's what I appreciate about them, as well as their friendship and the camaraderie that we share. And uh, I really feel like that uh, it's a dream team, at least for me. And I don't know if they feel that way, but at least I do. That's all that matters. I'm teasing. <laughs> I want us to do what that song just said. Um, we haven't done this in a while. Just bow down before the Lord. I know that physically some of you cannot physically bow. But if you are able, I want you to get on your knees. You may have to get out in the aisle. And let's just bow before the Lord. And if you can't, just in your mind, bow your heads and build yourself an altar in your mind, bowing before the Lord this morning. And our church, Lord, we just recommit to you as Lord of our lives. You are everything. You're what our life is all about. It's in you that we live and move and have our being. Lord, we need you. We need you. We acknowledge you as our God, our Savior, our Lord, and we love you. Just continue to develop and grow our love for you. And we praise you for your love for us that's perfect and constant, never changing. Your mercies that are new every morning. Your grace that is amazing and abundant. Lord, bless your people today. Draw people to yourself. Speak to us from your word. We ask in Jesus' name. All God's people said, Amen. Thank you. Christ be honored in the body. 500 years ago, a young man decided to do something about the moral and spiritual corruption of his day. He decided to be an overcomer. He had been reading and studying the Bible and saw that it didn't match his culture. And instead of challenging God's Word, Martin Luther challenged his culture. The Roman Catholic Church was teaching and promoting things not found in the Holy Scriptures. And the common man, the common churchgoer, didn't know the difference because they didn't have a copy of the Bible. And even if they did, they couldn't have read it because it was in Latin. So God burdened Martin Luther's heart to be an overcomer in his times. On October 31st, 1517, he nailed 95 theses, that is, statements of faith and truth that the Catholic Church was in conflict with. He nailed it on the 
doors of the church in Wittenberg, Germany. He felt that this would spark healthy discussion with the church fathers, but it only got him in trouble. And eventually they tried him and they found him guilty of heresy and against the church and against the teachings of the church, and they exiled him. In exile, Martin Luther translated the Latin scriptures into German for the common people. So the average man, the average woman, the average boy, and the average girl could read the Bible for themselves and no longer be deceived by the religious leaders. This translation of the Bible is actually the basis for the German language today. And this act of nailing the 95 Theses to the church door sparked what we know as the Protestant Reformation. But imagine, if you would, not having a Bible to read for yourself. Imagine having to take the word of God, having to take the word of preachers and teachers, and not having anything by which to test them, to see if what they're teaching and preaching is true. Imagine in this present generation, with the Bible still as the number one bestseller in the world, not having access to one for yourself, your church, your village. Such is the case in many places around the world. As easily as accessible the Bible is to us, they are hungry for just a page of the Scriptures to be passed around from home to home, at which when they get it, they devour it and memorize it before they pass it along. And they do so in a very short time, and they cannot wait to get the next page. Not having access to the Bible is a big problem, but it's not the one we face in our country. What we face in our culture is having all the access to the Bible that we want, but not using it, and even rejecting it. And the problems created by the lack of God's Word, whether in third world country without access to the Bible, or our culture that rejects, misuses, and ignores the Bible, the problems are the same. Spiritual corruption. Moral corruption. What can we, what can you do about it? It's time for some more overcomers to step up. It's time for some modern day Martin Luthers to step up and say, you know what, if I can't do anything, I can... Ask the Lord to reform this heart. That's where it begins. Your first step to being an overcomer in this culture is to ask God to use His Word and His Spirit to reform your heart. As we walk in the tradition of our church fathers and as we remember what happened 500 years ago and since, God is calling you and me today to stand up and to be an overcomer in this culture that is morally collapsing and spiritually collapsing because of our neglect of and misuse of and rejection of the Word of God in our culture, in our country, in our, in our world, and sadly in some of our very homes. And so I'm burdened for that in my own life to Ask the Lord to use His Word to reform me. 
And if you'll just begin there, that's all I'm asking you today. Just begin there. You see, before Martin Luther nailed 95 theses on the doors of the church in Wittenberg, God had been working in his heart. God had been reforming him. As he began reading the scriptures, he began to be overcome by his own sinfulness and how he felt God was going to strike him dead. In fact, he was so scared that he was going to do that that one day he was on his way home in a a lightning storm. And it scared him so bad that he said, God, if you'll let me get home without dying, I'll, I'll, I'll become a monk. Well, he got home without dying, and guess what? He shaved his head and he joined a monastery. You don't have to join a monastery. You don't even have to go to seminary. You don't even have to shave your heads. Some of you wouldn't have to anyway. But you can make the same response. You see, for Martin Luther, he thought he just had to do more. He had to be more committed. He had to do all these acts because that's what he'd been taught in his church. Do more, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And some of you get caught in that rat race. And Martin Luther, after studying the scriptures, understood that it was by us being made right with God was by grace, the grace of God alone, through faith alone, in Jesus Christ alone. That's how we're made right with God. And so the first step that he had to make was draw close to God himself. And as he drew closer and closer to God, he began to see that his life didn't match the Scriptures. And God had to do a work in his life of reforming his life before he could make any difference in his culture. If you're dissatisfied with the culture that you live in, I would suggest you start with the culture of your own heart. Asking the Lord to reform that culture first. And then move from your heart to your own home. And ask the Lord to reform your home. And then from your home, ask Him to reform your business. I talked with a guy this week. And he was telling me about a trucking company that he worked for that the boss got saved. And he was the owner or one of the owners of the company. And it transformed that trucking company because the boss got saved. In fact, this man that was telling me the story got saved because as a direct result of his boss coming to know Christ... And because the culture of that company changed, it changed his life forever. So you see, it starts with you drawing near to the Lord. And so that's what we've been talking about. And last week, a couple of weeks ago, I asked you to renew your commitment to the Lord. And, And maybe you weren't here then, but maybe that's what you need to do. And maybe you need to do it more often than you think you need to do it. But it's almost like a daily thing. Lord, today before my feet hit the ground, I'm renewing my commitment to you. And last week we talked about renewing our commitment to the Word of God and and spending time in God's Word every day. And I would imagine that some of you made some great inroads in in that area. Some of you probably read the Bible more this week than you have in a long time. And for that, I applaud you. And for that... I know God spoke to you and God ministered to you. Maybe you weren't successful in doing it every single day. Maybe you missed a day or two. And maybe you say, oh, I'm a failure. No, you're not a failure. If you read the Bible more this week than you did last week, you're a success. You're moving in the right direction. And I'm going to encourage you to keep moving in that direction. Because God blesses direction. Y'all think He just blesses perfection. He doesn't because if He did, none of us would be blessed, would He? He's going to bless us in the direction in which we're moving. 
So I ask you to renew your commitment again to the Word of God. And it is the power. God's Word is powerful. It's living, it's active, it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It reforms the heart. It's reforming my heart. It's doing a work in me, even though I've been a minister for, for almost 30 years now, and even though I've been a Christian for many more than that, it's doing a fresh work in my heart. It's overwhelming as He speaks to me week after week and day after day. Sometimes, as I told Tanis, I have to say, God, time out. I can't take it all at once. But it's so refreshing. And I begin to see things in my heart, in my life that don't belong, and I want to get them out, and I, and I want to make, I want God to reform me. And I begin to see that in, our, in the cultures in which I live, that God wants to do the same around me. As Isaiah said, Lord, I am a man. He started there, Lord, I am a man of unclean lips. He saw his own problem, his own need first. And then he, he saw the need around him. He said, Lord, I dwell among a people of unclean lips. But God has to start right here with you. Draw near to Him. And I want to pick up with that because we've talked about this. The connection. Remember, I said there's a, there's a threefold connection here in John 14, 15, and 16. Jesus said, the Bible says about Jesus in John 1, 1, in the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. So Jesus is called the Word. How do I know it's, he's talking about Jesus? Well, he goes on. If you keep reading in that chapter, he goes on. And it comes to verse 14, he says, And the Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And it said Moses brought the law, but Jesus brought grace and truth. So he's talking about Jesus, the living Word. And I'm asking you and I, as I did two weeks ago, let's come closer to Jesus. Let's get closer to Jesus. Let's renew our commitment to Jesus. That's where it all starts from. That's where our life stems from and grows from. And secondly, I ask you to commit to the Word. And see, Jesus said this in, in John 14, 15, and 16 in this private conversation that He had with His disciples. As He told them in verse 33 of chapter 16, In this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. And that's a summary verse of everything he had just said in chapter 14, 15, and 16. And he, he begins to teach them. We, we looked at it last week about the priority of the word as Jesus pointed it out to him in chapter 14, verse 15. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And that word keep means to keep your eye on, to watch, to observe by reading and by studying and by obeying. And he mentioned it in verse 21, didn't just mention it, he was teaching. Verse 21, he says the same thing. Chapter 15, verse 10. You see, there's a direct correlation between our walk with Jesus and our walk with the Word. You're, you can't walk with Jesus and ignore the Bible at the same time. You cannot. You can't follow Jesus and ignore the Scriptures. You cannot. It is impossible. If you want to walk with Jesus, the first step, the first step, first of all, is get saved. Come to Jesus by faith. But many of you here profess that you've already done that. So if you want to draw closer to Jesus, the first step is get in the Word of God. You may not want to. You may think you're too busy to. 
And like I said last week, sometimes you, you, can't, you can't wait till you feel like it. You just have to do it. And when you do it, He begins to speak to you. And then you begin delighting in it. And so then there's this third fold. We talk about Jesus, the living word, drawing close to Him. I, how do I do that? I get in His word. But then this third strand of this cord is the Holy Spirit. There's a direct correlation by, to keeping God's Word and walking in the Spirit. I mean, after all, who inspired the Word of God? Who inspired the Word of God? The Holy Spirit. God, the Spirit. Here's what the Scripture says in 2 Peter 1.20. Knowing this, first, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. You see, and I think we forget the role of the Holy Spirit when it comes to the Word of God. The Holy Spirit inspired this book, so when I open it, I can trust that if He moved men to write it in the first place, then he can stir my heart to understand it. I may not understand everything I read. Trust me. I just told you I've been in the ministry almost 30 years. I read things still that I can, cannot understand or I do not understand. There are some things I'm not meant to understand. You know that? You're not supposed to understand some things. There are some mysteries yet to be explained that will not be explained until we get to heaven and may even then never be explained. There are just some things you have to accept by faith. Like, how could God love you? Explain that one. How could God love me? That's a mystery. That's why he calls the gospel a mystery. That a holy, perfect, sinless God could redeem a wretch like me and, and live in me. That's a mystery. I cannot explain it. But boy, if you don't believe it, you're bound for hell, right? You have to accept that by faith. That Jesus Christ does forgive sinners. That He will forgive you if you ask Him to. And He will. There may be some of you here today that don't believe Jesus can save you because you've been too bad. You've been too sinful. And you've been too sinful for too long. But that's just not the case. The gospel of Jesus Christ is full of stories. Take the woman at the well. She had been married five times and now shacked up with a man that wasn't her husband. But Jesus gave her living water. And she drank that living water. That is not physical water, but she... she believed in what Jesus was offering, and it changed her life forever. Take the demon-possessed man. Jesus changed his life in an instant, and he couldn't wait to go tell others about him. You see, you're not too far gone. There's no such thing as too far gone for Jesus. The arm of the Lord is not shortened that it cannot save. He can reach you where you are. doesn't matter how far down you've fallen, how deep in sin you are. The arm of the Lord can reach you. His love can reach you. Jesus talked about the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 15. He said, and he connected it with the Word of God. He said, if you love me, keep my commandments. There's the Word. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. When he tells me to keep my commandments, he doesn't say, do it all by yourself. Aren't you glad? He says, I will give you what? A what? A helper. 
God gave me a helper 29 years ago and my wife. And she's a great helper. You know your wives are your helpmate? Did you know that? They're not against you, they're for you. You may feel like they're against you, but that's usually your pride. That's what I found out. Keep finding out. And you know, I, I wouldn't want to do what I do without her. Hope I never have to, because she's a great help to me, as Christy is to Bobby, as Tanya is to Brian. We couldn't do, wouldn't want to do what we do without our helper. I cannot live this life without the Holy Spirit. I can't keep His Word. I can't want to without His help. I need His help. You need His help. Listen to the Holy Spirit. Look what He says. The Spirit of truth, verse 17, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him. How do you know Him? Where does He live? He dwells where? Within you. Where is He? Where is he speaking to you? Where is he calling you? Where is he teaching you, leading you, guiding you from within? It's not an external force, believers. It's an internal person, the Holy Spirit. Look what he says in verse 25. Jesus teaching about the Word and the Spirit. He says, these things I've spoken to you. There's the Word being present with you. But the what? Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. What's he going to do? He's going to teach me all things and bring to my remembrance all things that I've said to you. You see, I may, not un, I may not remember what I've read that morning. I may not remember what I studied last week. You may not remember that message that was preached a year ago. But you're going to face a situation at a time in your life where the Holy Spirit's going to rush that word back to you because you're going to need it at that moment. Maybe you didn't need it today but you're going to need it somewhere. Because the Bible promises that the Word of God will not return to Him void, that is empty, without power or without usefulness. But He will make sure that it accomplishes all that for which He sent it out. So even if it's not meaningful to you right this very moment when you're reading and having your quiet time, you say, well, I didn't hear God speak to me today. I'm not reading the Mark. He didn't speak to me today. Maybe that word you read today wasn't for today. You ever thought of that? It could be for tomorrow. Or it could be for a year from now. Who's going to let you know that? The Holy Spirit. You see, because He sees further down the road than you do. And He knows what's coming. And He knows that day, that scripture you read today, you may need six months from now. And you won't connect the dot until the Holy Spirit helps you. You see, that's what I know. And I have to understand and believe that when I stand and preach the Word of God, that it may not be touching everybody right here at this very moment. For some, it is. But for some, you're going to connect the dot later. That's the Holy Spirit. The Word and the Holy Spirit go hand in hand. Chapter 15, verse 26 is another place Jesus spoke of the connection between the Word and the Holy Spirit. As He said... But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will testify of me. So He is going to exalt the living Word of God. Listen, when the Holy Spirit is in your life, you know what your life is going to be about? Jesus. Let me tell you something. Your life won't be about the Holy Spirit. It'll be about Jesus. 
A spirit-filled believer is never about the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? How do I know that? Because of what Jesus taught. Look at verse 13 of chapter 16. However, when He, the Spirit of truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will tell you things to come. He will glorify Himself. Who will He glorify? Jesus. He won't glorify the spiritual gifts. He won't glorify the spiritual fruits. He'll glorify who? Jesus. A spirit-filled believer in a spirit-filled church is all about who? Jesus. You see the connection between the Holy Spirit and the living word and the Holy Spirit and the written word. And you cannot walk with Jesus apart from the word. You cannot walk with Jesus apart from the spirit. You cannot walk in the word and understand the word. You cannot obey the word without the power of the spirit in you. You see the threefold connection? You know, Ecclesiastes tells us that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And there it is. And if God's going to reform my heart, and if God's going to reform your heart, it has to involve that threefold cord. My relationship to Jesus, my connection to His Word, and my listening to the Holy Spirit. That's how God's going to reform my heart. That's how God's going to reform your, your heart, your home, your business, your church. The Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 21. Now, I don't know, I can't say with a complete authority that this is referring to the Holy Spirit. But, G, but God is talking to Israel and He's talking to them about how it's going to be for them when, when God is finished with, with uh, the Gentiles and, and He's used the Gentile nations to discipline his, the Jews he says to them in verse 21, he said, Your ears shall hear a word behind you, saying, This is the way, walk in it. Whenever you turn to the right hand or whenever you turn to the left. To me, that sounds so much like the Holy Spirit. But see, the difference in the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament was an external force. But see, in, in, in Acts chapter 2, the prophecy of the Old Testament in Joel chapter 2 was fulfilled when God poured out His Spirit upon mankind. And so believers now no longer have an external force. They have an internal person, the Holy Spirit, working within them. So it's no longer just a voice behind me. It's a voice where? Within me. Saying, this is the way. Walk in it. Whenever you turn to the left or to the right, the Holy Spirit lets you know, yes or no, that's not the right direction. Trust Him. And how are you going to trust Him? Because Through the Word of God. You see, the Holy Spirit's not going to speak contrary to God's Word. How can I know the Holy Spirit's listening to me? I mean, how can I uh, know the Holy Spirit's speaking to me? Check it out. What you hear, check out what you hear with what's in here. And if it matches, it's from the Lord. If it doesn't match, it's another spirit. That's why the Bible says, test the spirits. How do we test the spirits, whether they're from God or not? It will always match the life of Jesus, the living word, as revealed in the scriptures, and the written word. And see, when you're in the written word, you're walking with, and when you're walking with the living word, Jesus, you're in the written word, and you're being led by the Holy Spirit of God. say, how can I be filled with the Spirit? I'm so full of sin. I want to encourage you, believers in Jesus, because we're all 
imperfect sinners. We are to live holy. The Bible says as He is holy. We read the Bible and we read the law. We read the Sermon on the Mount. We realize how far short we fall of those things. We begin to see how desperate we are that we can't do it on our own. And what happens is when we, we get to that point of helplessness, we realize we just can't do that. We have one of two choices. I give up. And I quit. I quit trying. I quit worrying about trying to live for the Lord. I'm just going to go let my old nature take me where it wants to take me. I've been there. Even as a believer. Even as a preacher. And I can tell you, it's a dead-end street. There's no joy. There's no happiness. There's no contentment. There's no power. It's a dead-end street. Or, you can give up and quit, or you can just give up <laughs> and give in to the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, He wants you to come to that point of absolute helplessness. To realize that you can't do it on your own. You need Him. Lord, I need You. A more true statement has never been spoken. Say it with me. Lord, I need You. And if you'll say that every day, and ask the Holy Spirit to come upon you, Listen, the more of Him you get, the less of that junk in your life that you want. Trust me, that's the way it works. I can try to stop doing all those things, but if I haven't drawn close to Christ and gotten in His Word, then those things tend to pull me back. But if I will draw near to Him, He draws near to me. D.L. Moody, who was a famous evangelist, much like Billy Graham in our day, who, by the way, next month will be 99 years old. But D.L. Moody was a very famous evangelist, like Billy Graham, and he was speaking to a large audience, and he held up a glass, and he asked, how can I get the air out of this glass? And one man shouted, suck it out with a pump. And Moody replied, that would create a vacuum and shatter the glass. After numerous other suggestions, Moody smiled and he picked up a pitcher of water and he filled the glass. And he said, there, all the air is now removed. He then went on to explain that victory in the Christian life is not accomplished by sucking out a sin here and there. It's by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Let the Holy Spirit fill you. Draw near to Him. He will draw near to you. That's a mystery. Why would He want to draw near to a sinful person like me? Well, I know one good reason. Two good reasons. Is He created you. And never did I make something that I didn't love. I used to make these plaster of Paris things in industrial arts. Remember those things, guys? 
Then we had these woodworking classes and we make those. I would be so proud of those things and I'd be doubly proud when my mama would hang them in her house, our house. And, and she still has, well, she didn't take it to heaven with her, but it's still in our house. The kitchen prayer. How many of y'all did the kitchen prayer, plaster of Paris thing? I've got that. I made that, man. I was so proud of that because I made it. That's why he would do that for you because he made you. And it was dear to my mama because I made it. And secondly, he would do that for you. He would draw near to you when you draw near to him because he loves you. He loves you. Do you know that? He loves you. So I want to encourage you to let the Holy Spirit fill your life. The first step can begin right here today. Just say, Lord, I want to come, come to you. Acknowledge that in your heart, that you need him. And tell him that you want to be reformed. Lord, reform this old heart, sinful, deceitful, and wicked as it is. Would you reform my heart? I want to walk in your ways. I believe that you, God's people, want to be like God, like Jesus. And when I say like God, I don't mean like the devil wanted to be like God. I mean you want to live a life that pleases the Lord. I believe that about you, or you wouldn't be here. I want to, too, but I'm like you. I'm not very good at it. But I want to be, I want to be and I need the Holy Spirit's help. He's the helper. Let him help you. And it starts by humbly acknowledging your need for him. Coming to his word daily. Letting his word speak to your heart. Letting the Holy Spirit convict you, teach you, guide you. And you'll begin to see over time how those things that you once held there that you thought you couldn't live without lose interest to you. Lose their power over you. You never thought it could be possible. How this thing that you're addicted to that you can't let go of, you don't really care about anymore. It's because you're so in love with Christ. Because He's got your heart now. And don't be discouraged if you say, well, you know, I used to be there, but I'm not today. That's also a very common experience. And it's not God's fault. It's not the Holy Spirit's fault. It's, it's our fault. Because we're fallen creatures. We're imperfect. It's hard to stay 100% on all the time because we're so broken and, and, and things pull at us so easily. But if you find that you've drifted from your devotion to the Lord, to His Word, and being filled with the Spirit, you know how many steps you've got to take to get back? How many? You may be a thousand steps and a thousand miles away from him. You know how many steps it is back? One. One. Because the moment you decide, I'm sick of this, I want to go back home to my father, you turn and, and there he is with arms open wide as we just sang. Forgiveness. Welcoming, welcoming you home. If you'll just turn, take that one step, there he is.
And he'll take you from where you've been all the way to where he wants you to be. And he'll make something beautiful out of your life. I was told this week of a lady who he, actually this ministry is in O'Clockney, Georgia, and I've kind of semi-invited her indirectly to come here and show us some of her work. But she uh, has a ministry that's located in O'Clockney. And she, I was told by uh, this, her father-in-law um, said, if you break a coffee cup, don't throw it away. I said, well, if I break a coffee cup, I don't need it anymore. He goes, well, this girl, my daughter-in-law, delights in taking broken things and painting beautiful things of art. He goes, you cannot begin to imagine the beauty of how she takes broken things and turns them into something that people are willing to pay hundreds and thousands of dollars for. And, and, and this friend of mine who's telling me this, preacher friend of mine who's telling me this about his daughter-in-law or his daughter, he said to his daughter, you mean you get how much money for that? He goes, I'm in the wrong business. <laughs> Jokingly, of course. But you know, as much as that girl delights in taking broken things and making them in things of beauty, that's an earthly expression of what the Heavenly Father loves to do for all of us. He loves to take broken, messed up things and make them into something beautiful. But you have to give that broken thing to Him. See, I take a broken coffee cup and I throw it in the trash. I don't need it anymore. And that's what you feel like. The world's thrown you out. Maybe, maybe you even think God's thrown you out. He's done with you. No, all you got to do is give yourself back to Him. He delights in taking broken, messed up things and creating a beautiful masterpiece that's worth a whole lot of, not money, but a whole lot, not only to Him, but to the people around you and people that you can minister to. He wants to make something beautiful of your life. Starts with one step, though. One step. And that step is back to Him. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?